You may go ahead and take a seat. It is so good to have you here on this December 31, 2023, the last day of the year. And kind of funny thing, the way that the dates and the Sundays worked last year is uh, when we had our end of service last year, it was on a Sunday and it was January 1. So we're actually doing our covenant renewal service twice in 2023, which is kind of funny. But I'm so glad that you're here today. It, it, um, it, we, we have a lot going on, exciting things in the church. Many of you are aware that our youth group and some of our young adults are at the Follow Youth and Young Adult Conference that is in Cincinnati. That's our Wesleyan Youth Conference. And we are just, it's been a great week. When we've heard lots of great stories about what's going on. They had, uh, let's see, what was it, 3,500 teens and young adults at this conference. And the whole thing is for people to stand out and follow Jesus and to follow him with their lives into godly lives, Christ-like lives, and to follow him into serving and in ministry. And so I've heard so many beautiful stories already, and I got a little bit of jealousy because I've got lots of friends who are at this thing, and I'm, I'm not, but that's okay, it's okay. But just heard lots of good things going on there, and so excited to hear from our teens. They're traveling back right now, so you can pray for safety. They should be back later this afternoon from Cincinnati. And then next Sunday, we're doing a youth takeover service, where they are taking over, they're preaching, they're singing, they're doing it all. And uh, they're going to be sharing about some of their experiences that they've had on this weekend. So we're looking forward to that. Well, it is very hard to believe that a week ago, this stage had a stable and straw. We, we did a good job cleaning up the straw, didn't we? That's always kind of like the big challenge between Christmas and New Year's. We had angels, we had shepherds, we had magi, we had the baby Jesus in the manger. And now here we are, December 31, 2023 on the last day of this year. Have you ever heard of a sorbet? It's something that's served in a fancy restaurant. It's kind of like a little ice dish, not ice cream, not sure, but a little, but a little different. But at a fancy restaurant, they will serve you a sorbet in between the courses of the meal. So you have a first course, and they want you to, the, the chefs want you to savor all of the flavors of the food, and they want you to truly enjoy what the real flavor of the food is. So after your first course, they give you a sorbet, and it's, you eat it, and it's supposed to cleanse your palate so that you can really taste what the next course is going to be. And I think that this service today, this covenant renewal service that we're going to do, is a lot like having a sorbet in between last year and this year. It's an opportunity to cleanse our palates, to be able to thoroughly enjoy what we have tasted and seen and experienced this year and to prepare us to have a fresh view and a fresh perspective on this year that's to come. This covenant renewal service is a special one. We will be uh, it comes from a man by the name of John Wesley. You heard me talk about the Wesleyan Youth Convention a minute ago. Our denomination is named after him. He was from the 1700s. He was a very influential Christian preacher, disciple maker, world changer. He was an anti-slavery advocate during the time of slavery. He was very invested in ministerial training. And back in the day, you had to go to Oxford and if you were going to be a, a pastor. And he's like, we don't have time for that. We got people who need to be saved. So he, he had a ministry training school and raised people up into ministry. And his, his focus and his teaching 
was on being filled with the love of God and how when we are transformed by the love of God, it results in our salvation, it results in holiness, and it results in a witness to the world. And in 1775, in 1775, John Wesley began doing what we now call the Covenant Renewal Service, a once-a-year service where there was a time for self-examination and reflection, a time for us to renew and re-covenant with God. And so you will need a booklet like this. You'll need a booklet like this. If you don't have one, would you just lift your hand and we'll get the ushers, we'll get one to you. Everybody's going to need one. And are there the red papers in those booklets as well? Great. Yeah, so go ahead and lift your hand. We will need, we'll be reading out of here. We'll be using these booklets, writing and reading in them. So go ahead and grab that. And we're going to begin, this, this exercise today is broken up into three parts. A time of reflection, a time of repentance, and a time of renewed commitment. And so we will begin today by reflecting on 2023. We're just going to take a few minutes in the service today, and if you open up your book to page 3, You'll see it just lists the months of the year, January through December. And I want you to take a few moments and prayerfully ask the Lord to bring to mind key things that happened to you that year. For those of you sitting on the sides, if you'd like to move to where there's a little bit more light, you're welcome to get up and move into the center of the room where you can see a little bit better. But I'd like you to prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, bring to mind what were some of the big things. Um, I, when I filled this out in the first service, I started with December because that was most fresh on my mind. And then I started thinking of other big things that happened to me through the year. Good things, bad things, hard things, encouraging things, terrible things, uh, promotions, difficulties, losses, gains. Just take some time and write it out. No one's going to look at this but you and the Lord. So take some time and reflect month by month on key events that were part of your life this year. What were some highlights? What were some disappointments? Were there any game changers where your life took a significant turn?
And church, I would just invite you to, if anybody walks in late over the next few minutes and if they come and sit near you, just lean over and whisper to them and explain what's going on and just help them figure out what's, what's going on. Thank you. The next question, where did you notice God at work in your life? And here are a few more categories to consider. These are up on the screen. Are there any key events related to these things? Something related to your spiritual life? your job or career, mental health, any mental health crises or encouragements, anything related to school or your education, any big things related to your physical health, or big things related to money and finances in your life. The next thing is put, look at the things you have and put a plus sign by the top three things that were encouraging and put a minus sign by the most difficult three things.
things that stood out to you as especially good, things that stood out to you as especially challenging? Next is review the things you have written down and look for some things that you're thankful for. What are the things that you're thankful for? Maybe identify three, three or four things that you're especially thankful for and mark those with a star. And then finally, as you look at your year, take a, take a step back, look at the big picture. Where do you especially see God stepping in and intervening in your life? If there are any moments like that, put a cross in those places. Where do you especially notice God stepping in and intervening or helping you in your life? Mark those with a cross. Let's pray. God, all-powerful, almighty God, our hearts are an open book before you. You know everything. You know what we have done. You know what we have not done. You know all of our desires. You know what is public about us. You know what is secret about us. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may fully love you and so that we may magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. John Wesley draws three principles from this passage. It's this picture of the vine, how Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches that grow off the vine. And, and so often when we are, we are branches and we can't see the vine through all the leaves. We don't see the vine and how it goes deep, deep down into the soil and, and the roots that support it. And Wesley gives three principles from this passage. The first is this, eternal things are more enduring and more real than the temporal things of this world. We see the branch, but there is a vine, a vine that is deeper, a vine that is eternal. A bigger picture is at stake. We see the everyday life around us, but there is a bigger reality at play. The second principle is that things that are not seen are as certain as things that are seen. We are supernatural people. We live in a supernatural world. There is the world that we see, but there's also this realm that we don't. And things that are not seen are as certain as things that are seen. Number three is the present choice you have before you to make determines your eternal destiny. Now's a good time to just silence everybody's phones. Go ahead and take a minute. If you haven't already done that, it's a good reminder. The present choice you have before you determines your eternal destiny. Do you realize that we have a limited time here on earth to make a choice to put our trust in Jesus? It will all come clear in the afterlife but we have this life to make a decision, decision on if we will trust Jesus for salvation or if we will not. If we choose Christ and his ways, we will be blessed forever and blessed in this life. If, we, if you refuse him, you are undone forever. In your books, on page 8, 
there is an arrow, an arrow that goes to the left and an arrow that goes to the right. And I'd like you to label those arrows. There's the arrow that goes to the right. That's the one that's pointing toward the center of the page. I'd like you to label that arrow. Write Christ with his yoke. Christ with his yoke, his cross, and his crown. Christ with his yoke, his cross, and his crown. Christ with his yoke, his cross, and his crown. That's one direction. We choose the way of Christ, and it results in his crown and the glory, the glory of following him, but it also comes with a yoke and a cross. That's the way of Jesus. The arrow to the left label the devil, the devil with his wealth, his pleasure, and his curse. The devil with his wealth, his pleasure, and his curse. We have a road before us that has two options. We can either choose the way of Christ and his crown, or we can choose the way of the devil and his curse. And we get distracted along the way because before we get to the crown with Christ, we have the yoke and the cross, and those are stumbling blocks to us. The way of the devil ultimately ends in curse, but on the way to the curse, there is wealth, there is pleasure. And those become things that we often want to pursue. But the reality, church, is there is no middle way. It is not possible for you to choose a middle path. There is no, well, a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the devil. It's not an option. You either choose Christ or you choose against him. If you don't choose, if you say, I'm not going to make a decision, that's you making a decision. You have made a decision not to choose Christ. There is no middle path with Jesus. It is one or the other. And I encourage you to examine your state with God. Are you choosing the way of Christ? Or are you still in the way of the devil? Which path will you take? And I would encourage you today, don't delay your decision. If you are undecided, you are decided for the enemy. Don't rest until you have resolved this with God. The greatest gift you can have today is to be unsettled and troubled and bothered if you cannot say that I have chosen the path of Christ. Receive that gift of the Holy Spirit bothering you and say yes to following Jesus. Circle which arrow describes you. To the right with Christ and his yoke, his cross and his crown, or to the left with the devil, his wealth, his pleasure, and his curse. All of us have fallen into the hands, into the land of robbers and thieves. Our sins make promises to us that they will give us what we want, but our sins are robbers. Our pleasures are robbers. Our companions in sin are robbers and thieves. They are not true friends. 
And if we stay where we are and do not take the path of Jesus, we will perish. But if we walk in his path, Christ offers to bring us to God. And so the only thing we can do is cast ourselves at the feet of Jesus and ask for his mercy and say, Jesus, will you take me? Will you bring me to God and bring me into your promises? With you, I will risk myself. I cast myself on you. I cast myself on your blood. I put myself in your righteousness. And I invite you to say to God, even now, God, I renounce my righteousness. God, I renounce my righteousness. Say it with me. God, I renounce my righteousness. Any righteousness I bring is not enough to satisfy the holy God. All the righteousness we have is not good enough, so we set aside our own righteousness. And we say, God, our only hope is your mercy. Whether you are already a forgiven sinner or you're still far from God, whether you are already a forgiven sinner or still far from God, let's confess our dependence on him. And if you can sing this song with a true heart, I invite you to sing. If you're not there yet, I invite you to just sit and listen to the words. Let's sing together, I have decided to follow Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just invite you to say, God, you're calling out to me, I want you. I'm responding to you. My righteousness is not enough. I need yours. If you're praying that prayer to turn from going the way of left to going the way of right today, would you just raise your hand? Say, today I'm making a change. Today I'm shifting from one way to the next. Amen. Amen. That concludes part one of our reflection. This is the time when kids get to leave to go to Kid City. So kids, go ahead and head back to your very fun, exciting class today. And we're going to shift into part two. Part two is our focus on repentance. And I think we would be remiss if we only focused on the accomplishments and the achievements of this past year. Let's also take some time to be honest with God about times in 2023 when we weren't faithful to him, because there were times when we were not faithful to God in 2023. So let's take a few moments and ask some questions. Question number one is, what do you regret about last year? And what will you do about it this year? What do you regret about last year? Just take a few moments. You can write that on page nine in your booklet and jot down some things that come to mind. What do you regret about last year?
Question number two, in what area of your life do you most need change? And what will you do about it this year? Where do you most need change? Number three, what is the single biggest time waster in your life? If you had to say one area in which you tend to squander your time and not use it well, what would that be? Number four, what things or people most pull you away from living a holy life? I now invite you to take this piece of red paper that is in your booklets. And this is going to be our confession sheet. You'll just write down here things that you are confessing. Only you and the Lord will see these things. But make, ask the Lord to help you think of what might need to come on this list. Say, Lord, guide my thoughts. What, what do I need to confess to you? And if you need a red paper, uh, just lift your hand. We'll make sure that th that gets to you. Ask the Lord to bring to mind anything you might need to confess and, and write it down. And confess anything that comes to mind, even if you're unsure if it needs confessing. If it comes to mind, write it down, and then you can examine that with the Lord. When you're finished writing, I, I want you to take your piece of, of paper, 
And some of you are holding on to these things. You're internalizing them. You're holding on to them. You let these things become your identity and your destiny. You were never designed to be your own savior. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear that that's not going to work for you. And so what we are invited to do with our confessions is to give them to Jesus. To give our confessions to Jesus and let God, the holy and just God, handle it. God is 100% perfect in his balance of mercy and justice. I don't know how it will be, but I know that someday when we stand before the judgment throne of God and he remembers these sins, plus all the other ones that we haven't written down today from your whole life, when he evaluates us, there will be something about his judgment and his mercy where we will say, that's right, that's good. And so I invite you to depend upon the Savior, to lean upon the Savior to deal with these things. So take your piece of paper The prophet Isaiah says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. That's his way of saying, there's no hope for you to stop sinning. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I've been thinking about that phrase, the that the, that the Lord has laid on Jesus our iniquity. And I want to invite you to come and lay your iniquity on the cross of Christ. You will see there's a cross that's taped out on the stage up here. And in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of, of reflection and confession and re- repentance. And I want you to come and lay your sins on the cross. And Jesus takes it, absorbs it, and he deals with it in a way that only he can. He does what is impossible for us. So as we sing this song about needing Jesus, come and lay your iniquity on him. No, you're fine. You're fine. Take your time. If you need to keep on coming in this next part, please, please do so. Invite you to pray this corporate prayer of confession together. Page 11. Corporate means as a group. Often when we confess, we do this privately. And even now, this was a very private moment where you and God were confessing, but... I think there's a place for us as a church to corporately confess our sins together and on a regular basis because how deeply we need God. On page 11, this won't be on the screen, so you will need a booklet to follow along, where it says, people, that's you, and then I will read the leader part. So let's read this together. Father God, we confess 
that we have been slow to learn from Jesus' example. We have been reluctant to follow him. You have spoken and called to us, but we have not listened. You have revealed your beauty to us, but we have been blind. You have stretched out your hands to us through our friends, but we have passed by them. We have accepted your gifts and offered little thanks. We are unworthy of your unchanging love. We now confess to you our sins. Please forgive us for the poverty of our worship. Forgive us for the selfishness of our prayers, for our inconsistency and unbelief. Forgive us for the ways we neglect fellowship and your grace for our hesitation to tell others about Christ, for the ways we deceive others. Forgive us for when we waste time and when we misuse the gifts you have given us. Forgive us for when we have made excuses for the wrong things we have done. Forgive us for when we have purposefully avoided responsibility. Forgive us that we have been unwilling to overcome evil with good and that we have not been ready to carry our cross. Forgive us that we have not allowed your love to work through us to help others and that we have not made their suffering our own. Forgive us for those times when instead of working for unity, we made it hard for others to live with us because of our lack of forgiveness, inconsiderate judgment, and quick criticism. Forgive us for when we have not tried to reconcile with others. Forgive us for when we have been slow to seek redemption. How happy is the one whose rebellious acts are forgiven, mm-hmm. whose sin is pardoned? How happy is the one whose wrongdoing the Lord does not punish, and whose spirit there is no Amen. If you have put your trust in Jesus, there are things that the scriptures say we can be confident in, things we don't have to wonder about, things we don't have to worry about anymore. The first is we can be assured of God's initiative. God's initiative, that he made the first move. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God saw us, and in the fullness of time, God sent his son to redeem us, he made the first move. Romans 5, 8. Will you read this passage with me? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait until you started coming to church. He did not wait until you had a moment of conviction. He didn't wait until you felt guilty. 
while you are still fully and completely immersed in your sin and fully head down, focused on all the pleasures of this world, while you were there, Christ died for you. God's initiative is that he came to you like this. He wants you. He's coming after you. We can also have assurance of God's command, his command that we believe on the name of Jesus, his son. He says no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He is the only way. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He has commanded us that our salvation is in putting our trust in Jesus and following him with our whole lives. We can also, thirdly, have assurance of God's promise. His promise that his salvation will come through. Jesus is trustworthy for salvation. He can be relied upon. There is goodness waiting for us that his promise of rescue is happening and will happen in increasing fullness. Church, sometimes we doubt this. Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to cover my bases and put my trust in Jesus, but I'm not so sure he's going to come through. Listen to what John 6, 47 says. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. Our shift, our, our putting our faith in Jesus is a shift from the, the everlasting death we are born into into the path of everlasting life that begins here in this life and continues into eternity. So we have this threefold assurance of God's initiative, God's command, and God's promise. And because we have this assurance from God on these core things, because of this, we can now be bold to risk everything for Jesus to give him our whole lives and to be wholly and completely available for him to use us as he will. Will you please stand and let's sing this song that talks about the promises and the trustworthiness of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We have looked back on the year in repentance, or in uh, reflection. We've looked at the present moment in repentance. And now it's time for our third section, to look ahead and renew our commitment to God in 2024. How many of you would say, I knew what was going to happen in 2023, had that all planned out, nothing surprised me. <laughs> we look ahead to 2024, we have no idea what life will bring, what God will bring. We have no idea the things that we'll face. But what we can know is that we're going to go through it with God. And that's what this next section is all about. Here are some questions for looking ahead on page 13 of your booklets. The first question, number one, is what's the most important decision you need to make this year? And I would suggest to you, church, that if you are still on the left-turning arrow and you have not made a decision to 100% turn your life over to Jesus, that that would be the most important decision you need to make this year. What's the most important decision you need to make this year?
Number two, what's something you could do to increase your enjoyment of God? And number three, what can you change in your life so that you find it easier to pay attention to the Holy Spirit? Let's renew our commitment to the Lord. Turn to page 14 in your booklets. And let's read this prayer of response together. Let's begin. Let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. I give myself completely to your will. The power and strength to live as true servants is given to us through Christ. We accept the place and work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone will be our reward. I am not my own. I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart, I freely give everything to your pleasure and disposal. Christ is Savior to those who are his true servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. To be his servant is to consent fully to his will. Christ accepts nothing less. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Church, Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. He is not willing to be an addition to your life. He's not willing for you to dabble with him from time to time. He's not willing to just be a little piece of you when you pull out to the spiritual side of you on Sundays and another day for your life group. He's interested in being your king. He's interested in being in charge. He is to be your Lord. He is to be the one who commands your life, who guides your life, who is the direction of every aspect of your life. He wants to be first. He demands to be primary. He will not be second. He will be all or he will be nothing. And your opportunity now 
is to choose to partner with God in this moment or to live in resistance to him. Those are the only choices, and it's a choice that we make 100, 200 times every day. Will we partner with what God is doing, or will we live in resistance to him? So what does this mean for 2024? As we go into this new year, this is the time of year when we make all sorts of goals and plans, and those, those things aren't bad. I hope that you will make goals and plans for your health, for wisdom with finances, for your spiritual life, for your Bible reading, for prayer. I hope that you will do those things, and we'll even be talking about prayer and Bible reading in some of the weeks to come in the month of January. But as I was preparing for this and thinking of all the things that could be said, what should we keep in mind as we look ahead to 2024? There's really only one thing that matters the most. And if there could just be one thing that you have this year, I think the most important thing for you in 2024 is to receive God's love for you in a fresh way, in a new way, daily. To not only know in your head that you are loved, but to, to feel it, to know in your being, to experience it deep inside, that not only does God love you, God really loves you. And not only does he really love you, he really, really loves you. If you gain nothing else in this world except the knowledge and the realization that you as a human, as a creation of God in God's image, are deeply treasured by the God of the universe. I'd say that's a pretty full and rich life. You can't really know God until you begin to get a little glimpse of how deeply he loves you. You don't really know him unless you have been warmed by the love of God. And similarly, you can't really know yourself. You really don't know who you are until you begin to have a glimpse of how beloved by God you are, how he not only sees you, he not only knows your name, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your future, your present, your past. God knows you deeply and treasures you. You are beloved by the God of the universe. The fact of you being deeply loved by God is not life-changing. This is a fact. Lots of people's lives are not changed because of the fact that God loves them deeply. It's the risky experience of allowing yourself to receive the love of God that is life-changing. It's as you make yourself vulnerable to seeking to deeply understand the love of God to you. It's there in that vulnerable place, that vulnerable place that sometimes will lead to anger and resentment, sometimes will lead to confusion. It's there. Once you start wrestling on that level, that's when you begin to understand just a little glimmer of the depth of God's love for you. 
He's waiting to offer it. It's all around you. And my prayer for all of us in this church is that 2024 would be a year of us awakening more deeply to how beloved by God, how precious, how treasured we are to him. We had a few little babies that were in our church lately. We had one in the first service, a new little baby, and we had a a newborn playing baby Jesus last year in the manger, or last Sunday in the manger. You know what that little baby Jesus, Wills, his name is Wills, you know what that little baby has done to earn his parents' ardent devotion? Nothing. He was born. He's done nothing. He's just there, and they love him. That is only a fraction of the love that God has for you. You are precious and honored in his sight, and he loves you. If you can just grasp a little bit of how much God loves you, it will change everything this next year. Staying connected to the, how beloved you are by God is something that you're going to forget. We forget it. It leaks. That sense of being aware of God's love for us is something that even if we get a little bit, we forget and it leaks and we have to find it again. So I encourage you, make it a daily prayer. God, help me to know how much you love me. Just pray that over and over. God, help me, help me to receive your love. Help me to know how much you love me. Pray it over and over again. You might, some days you might get nothing. But the more that you seek to look for the love of God in your life, the more you'll find it. And it will change everything. It will be the source of your confidence, the insecurity that you always have. This changes that. Being grounded in how beloved you are will change your sense of significance and value. And you're, you'll realize, I'm not a has-been. My life isn't over. God's got something for me. And it's as you're grounded in how loved you are that you'll really find who you really are, who God made you to be. It's where you find your, your identity and your calling and your purpose. And interestingly, as the more grounded in the love of God you are, the more it will be the source of God's confrontation to you. Because it is the love of God, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is his love that calls out the ugly in us that needs to be confessed and repented of. And the more beloved we realize that we are, the more we are able to risk that vulnerability of saying, oh yeah, that needs to not be in my life anymore. I cast that on you, Jesus. I'll just tell you right now, you would rather be corrected by the God of the universe than by the world. Root yourself in his love and let him do that work in you. The more you are grounded in how beloved you are, the more this will be the foundation and the source of all the other parts of your life, all the things that you're making New Year's resolutions about, all those good things you're making New Year's resolutions about. The more you are grounded in your belovedness, it will orient the way that you date, how you're looking for a significant other. It will affect that. It will affect how you make and spend your money. It will affect how you live in your marriage relationships. It will affect your parenting. 
It will affect your decisions about health and exercise and weight loss and all the things that are, we so often associate with January. Having your foundation of being beloved in Christ will help those desires to be properly ordered rather than disordered. Church, so often we try to live the Christian life by starting at step two, doing the right thing, following Jesus. But so often we forget step one, which is just being loved, receiving how beloved we are. If there's nothing else you do this year, I hope that you will lean into and pursue a deeper understanding of God's love for you. It will change everything. Ephesians chapter 3, 17. Will you read this out loud with me, please? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Pause for a minute. Being rooted and established in, say it loud. Love. May have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Maybe you know the love of God in your mind. You've been taught God loves you. You've heard God loves you. You know it in your head. But at a deeper level, you don't fully believe it. If that's you, your challenge is to pray, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. This is a prayer that Jesus heard and answered. And this year, I'd like you to spend some time, especially on this New Year's Day tomorrow, saying, God, help me to know how loved I am. Lord, help me to receive all the love you have for me today. God, help me to believe and to trust your love for me. God, help me to know how loved I am. That's the same prayer, just worded in different ways. Call out to God. Ask him to help you know how loved you are and meditate on your belovedness. It will take you on a journey. We have coming up in, later in January, in just a few weeks actually, about three weeks, our Day Alone with God. We have the mini Day Alone with God on a Thursday night, and we have the full Day Alone with God on an all-day Saturday and this is a spiritual retreat for you to do these sorts of things. And there will be a focus on you focusing on God's love for you, among other things. This is one of the things that we'll be doing. So we'll be leaning into that more fully there. As you practice receiving God's love and remembering, understanding that it's there, practice watching for it, as you ground yourself in receiving God's love, your ability to hold on to that realization will grow. And so today, today we're doing this covenant renewal service. It's a time of renewing our commitment, renewing our commitment to following Jesus with all we have, with who we are, with everything that's in us. A commitment to go to the right and not to the left. A commitment to be sold out for Jesus but all of this is nothing if it's without love. All of this is nothing if we don't first know how beloved we are. 
And so this is your opportunity to commit to the Lord, God, I'm all in. God, I'm all in. You are my God. So please stand. We're going to pray this prayer of consecration together. This is on page 16. This is the final consecration prayer of the day and the kind of the, the big finale to this covenant renewal service. We'll do that in just, in just a moment. I will say this prayer, and then we will receive communion and the offering and announcements and pray together. But this is the final covenant renewal prayer today. Let's read together. My righteous God, see me now as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness when I have not done your will. You promise mercy if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you rid yourself of every idol in your life. From the bottom of my heart, I here and now renounce every idol in my life, covenanting with you that I will not commit any known sin. By turning against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch for any temptation that will lead me away from you. Through Jesus Christ, God offers to be your God again if you allow him to be. Before all heaven and earth, I here and now acknowledge you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as my Lord and God. I vow to give all of myself, body and soul, to be your servant and to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. Jesus, I here and now make this covenant with you and accept whatever comes in life. Through your grace, I promise that neither death nor life will separate me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I here and now willingly take on your yoke and burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I accept them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising I will strive to order my whole life around your direction. I will not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows you, even the thoughts of your hearts. O oh God, you know that we have made this covenant today in sincerity, without deceit or reluctance. If you find anything false in us, guide us and help us to set it right. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. You are mine, and I am yours, so be it. May this covenant that I have made here on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen.